All right, first shot at podcast recording. Uh, my name's Kim Hodges. Uh, I work for blah, blah, blah. So my specific topic today has to do with accessibility and what that means. It's a concept and a word that's being thrown all around a lot right now in the digital world and in the tech world as it relates to websites and software, uh, mobile devices, different things like that. But what does it really boil down to? And that's a point that isn't discussed as frequently. I do hear it in special education conference circuits and different places like that, but it's not something that everybody is familiar with, and it's something I would like to make people familiar with. So the concept of accessibility, in a simple sense, is what the word entails, is access. So it's access to services, to physical buildings, um, to online areas, online platforms, online services. In the current landscape and in the current world that we're living in right now, we are becoming more and more digitally involved. Our lives are represented online, our purchasing is done online, our consumerism is facilitated online, our social interactions are online, it's becoming more and more a staple of everyday life for every person basically on the planet. We see more of it in the developed world, especially here in the United States, where our news is delivered online. Our media is delivered online. Our entertainment is delivered online. I mean, you see articles all the time about how people are abandoning the media structures that existed for, what, close to a hundred years? Um, things like cable, things like cable news channels, regular news channels, um, movie channels, the HBOs of the world have even gone to online platforms and mobile apps and things like that in the interest of capturing the new and evolving markets that are coming out that have been filled with streaming services and then you've got Amazon which has been wreaking havoc on the brick and mortar style retail spaces so when we think about these things when online presences are being developed and being more actively delivered to the masses to make it easier to purchase shoes or even food now there's an entire population of people that up until recently has kind of been left to figure it out on their own because these services haven't been designed with them in mind. And that population is the disabled population. The disabled population alone represents a large portion of technology users now because of physical limitations that can be placed um, due to the disability. Now, these are people who have been able to experience advancements and have been able to utilize technology to make their lives easier, to give them equal access. But specifically in terms of the online space, we're seeing a lot of organizations, retailers, companies that aren't thinking about these populations when they're putting their websites online and putting their online platforms up 
whether it's learning management systems for online education, these, these individuals aren't being thought of. So accessibility in that sense really has more to do with equal access. And what equal access means is the ability to get to the information, to get to the, the shopping, to get to the food services, to get to even governmental services, things like uh, renewing um, state identification, um, registering a vehicle, um, especially if you're someone with a uh, physical motor disability that uses a specialized vehicle. So what accessibility really refers to in that aspect is bringing these online platforms and bringing these websites up to a state where they're accessible for all users, not just the targeted user base. Um, and by targeted, I mean the people that were being thought of when these things were being developed. Now, individuals with disabilities also represent a larger portion of the unemployed sector of the United States. Um, the statistics vary. It depends on which population you're talking about, what fields you work in. Even the census data is kind of shaky. Um, there's estimations of the overall disabled population's unemployment rate being upwards of 10% or a little higher. Then when you go into the blind and visually impaired communities, the numbers vary dramatically. It's anywhere from 40% to 80% unemployment. And what we should be evaluating in terms of accessibility too is how can we use these online platforms to make these people more employable, to make this population more employable. Um, there's a whole group of people that are being underutilized that have the skills, that have the intellect, that have the drive and motivation to be valuable assets to companies and organizations and government that aren't being utilized. And we have the technology now, if we just keep these people in mind, to make things easier for them in terms of being actively involved in these different fields. And we're seeing more and more of it. We're seeing a lot more uh, companies go to remote work structures. And when you look at remote uh, work, there's a sense of ambiguity that goes associated with what people look like, what people um, deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, how their personal lives are, how they're physically represented, and even how they're viewed from the aspect of disability. If you have what's considered a viewable or visual disability, that someone can see that you have a disability by looking at you or coming into contact with you, being able to work in a remote environment completely removes that from the scenario, which is an empowering thought really is people are being valued for what they have to bring to the table as opposed to what representation they bring and what prejudgments or biases might influence people's decision to hire these people based on whatever disability uh, that person can see. Um, I can give an, a specific example. My ex-wife, who is a wonderful, brilliant woman, who has a master's degree in social, uh, social work from USC was trying to get a job after she graduated and she would have a phone interview and the phone interview would go really well and they would call her in for a second interview and then she would have to physically go in person to the second interview and she would show up and it would be her and her guide dog 
and then she would do the interview, she would feel it went really well, and then she'd never hear back. And now I can write some of that off to she didn't have the qualifications or she didn't have the experience they were looking for because that's a big part of the interview process, especially in those fields now, is you have certain expectations around the person that, that's applying having a certain level of experience. And all of her experience up until that point was just through her internship. But when you get 100 plus interviews deep, then I start looking at it and saying, statistically, the odds of her just being turned down for that are unlikely, especially being that she was applying for positions that were even under what she was qualified. Um, she was actually overqualified for some of these positions, but it was just for her to get her foot in the door. She was willing to take a lower pay scale just to get the experience for the higher level jobs, and she wasn't even getting the opportunity to do that. Um, it's actually been to the point where she's gone into a completely different area because she just couldn't break through in those in those arenas um, in terms of government social work, private social work, those kinds of things. But she's a compassionate person. She's a very intelligent person. And she's one of the most motivated, driven, and hardworking individuals I know. So when you look at that, and then you look at the technology that we have now, the expense and cost and and investment that an organization might have to make to accommodate the disability that she has really becomes very minimal in terms of training. Um, literally for her, all she needs is a screen reader to be able to access the different information that she would be working with. The problem lies in how accessible is the information that she's be get, being given, the data. Um, what platform is it provided on? What is it being stored on? What uh, format is it being delivered in? Are they PDF documentation for client files? Are the PDFs accessible? So then that becomes an entirely new barrier and hurdle. The thing is, I know in most of these institutions, they're not even thinking about that level. It's just that initial level of access that they're thinking of and, and the perceived burden that it could potentially place on them. The hard thing is, is from a legal aspect, it becomes really difficult and really complicated to prove that she was being discriminated against because of her disability. Um, employers in most instances do not have to provide any information about why they didn't hire someone. Um, she did get lucky and there were some email exchanges where they did tell her that they just felt she didn't have the necessary experience so at least she got some insight but for the most part she just didn't hear from these companies or organizations again so when you really look at it there's not a lot of recourse because burden of proof is very difficult in these particular instances and that's where accessibility in a digital mindset becomes really important when you look at digital accessibility it can impact not just the ability of users to be able to access the information that they need but also the the mindset of the organization or company that is going through the steps to make these things accessible it actually can potentially change their entire perspective on the employability of people with disabilities within their organizations as well as 
those populations as part of their client base, consumer base, customer base, and that they bring things to the table as well. And that, to me, is really what accessibility is about. It's not as much about the technical process of changing physical environments or digital environments to be more accessible. It's about changing the entire perspective and worldview of the people involved in these changes. That's what it means to me. That's why it's important to me. While the standards and the expectations and the legal mandates that are coming down around digital accessibility and physical accessibility are very important and getting those changes in place are very important, making buildings more accessible, making digital environments more accessible. Those are really important parts of it. But the overarching umbrella that that all falls under is changing the social consciousness around accessibility and that we don't have to limit people for ourselves to be successful. So I'll give you an example of that. My company specifically, Big Tree Access, it's not in my best interest to keep any people group down, to not invest in any people group in the interest of saving myself money or garnering more profits or more margins around those profits. It's in my best interest not just from an advocacy perspective, but also from a business perspective to include and incorporate all people groups in everything that we do. Our universal mindset around design, our approach to user-centered design, our approach to services and product development that focuses on a better experience for everyone, not just an individual population of people. That is what's in my best interest because of the type of work that we do. But that also translates beyond just a specified niche business or field like the one that Big Tree Access operates in. It really applies to everything. When you're looking at tens, twenties, thirties, forty million people, millions upon millions of par people that are part of the population that function every day who have disabilities, who some you can see, some you can't, some you can recognize, some you can't. There are people who have disabilities that in terms of visual exterior, it's hard to nail down what that might be, but it doesn't mean they don't have one. Um, in those terms, those people are part of communities and they're part of families and they're part of what has made America what we all hope it should be and that's a large melting pot and a large community of people striving towards similar goals and trying to have the best life that they can have and no matter what political landscape we're in and what kind of impacts those have that's still a drive for the majority of americans is to have the life that we want to have to have the freedom to do the things that we want to do and when we leave out an entire part of our population in the interest of doing that, whether that population is being left out due to disability, due to race, due to gender, due to any of the, the factors of what make us who we are as people, we're actually completely contradicting the entire concept of the American dream and that freedom that we were striving for as a fledgling country and 
big tree access, our entire goal here is to incorporate that concept to make life better for everyone. To even use concepts around um, disability specific focused design ideas to also increase and impact and better the lives of other people, which that's been done before, even in physical technology. When people have backup sensors on their vehicles, that the, those little sonar sensors that beep when you're getting close to someone, a lot of that's based off of a sonar technology that was created for submarines that was all around sonar technology that came from a particular individual's concept of how to make navigation easier for the blind. So there's there's examples of that in the real world and at at Big Tree our goal is to see more of that is to see more inclusive practices and more meshing and melding of cultures and thought processes and worldviews to make anything we do better for everyone. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.